time in the house of the Lord. It is the 4th of July. I said it's the 4th of July. How you, William, how you feeling, man? You got a big smile on your face. You're freshly baptized, man. Come on, we're excited for you. Wasn't that a great baptism this morning? I don't think there's anything better on the 4th of July. That was our fireworks, I think. That was, that was some serious fireworks that just took place, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, this morning, I always want, as we start off this message, how many have ever watched the movie The Patriot? Come on, how many have watched the movie The Patriot? The pa- member Mel Gibson, you know, they're, they're fighting for America's freedom. He grabs the flag, the, 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 the troops are starting to retreat and Mel Gibson sees it and he's got his long hair. That's back when all the women thought he was amazing. And uh, he grabs the American flag and he says, no retreat! And he just begins to run through the, through the British troops and, and uh, of course the, it, it leads this, it's an amazing movie, but Mel, Mel Gibson, plays a guy in this movie by the name of Ben Martin. And here's this guy, he's just kind of minding his own business. He's here in America. Uh, it's not a nation at this point, but he's just trying to, to, to enjoy his family, enjoy his life, and, and uh, has no intention of joining the war, no intention of going into battle until one of his children are killed. All of a sudden, the battle comes to his house, and so he recognizes, you know, I gotta, I gotta go fight for freedom. I gotta go fight for liberty. And so he organizes this, this, this kind of downtrodden militia, if you'd call it that. It's just a bunch of guys, kind of gets them together. And, and long story short, the, the British fortified, you know, you know a sophisticated, this, this English army, all right, uh, they end up becoming surrounded and eventually are forced to surrender to the American forces, amen. It was a powerful moment that we celebrate all the time and the English have yet to get over, all right? But at the end of the movie, Mel Gibson, he's standing there with a French guy and they're, they're looking out over the horizon as the French ships are, 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 are coming in, which really signified that the Revolutionary War was over and that America was indeed an, an independent place and, and it was truly free from the British. And so Mel Gibson looks over at this Frenchman because we had, we had, we had, believe it or not, we have to thank the French uh, for their help in that. And so he looks over at this Frenchman and he says, Viva la France. And the Frenchman looked back to Mel Gibson and he says, Viva la Liberty. And it was just like this, this amazing moment. I don't know if you, maybe you need to watch it today. Some of you, you guys are looking at me like, really? Yes, it was an amazing move. It was a powerful moment. And you know, I, I, I was thinking this week about America and thinking about independence and, and thinking about this powerful nation that we get to be a part of. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to live in America. I am grateful to live in America, but, but I gotta tell you, the greatest liberators are not guys like Mel Gibson in The Patriot and, and all of those men that fought for our freedom. I'm, I'm so grateful for them. The greatest liberators aren't even the American armed forces. And I'm grateful, how many grateful for the men and women who serve our country? I'm so grateful, as amazing as they are. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause, amen. The, the greatest liberators aren't even people like Abraham Lincoln or, or, or um, people like the Martin Luther Kings. There's been so many liberators, people that have fought for freedom. There's so many of them, but they're not the greatest liberator. The greatest liberator is Jesus Christ. 
I said the greatest liberator, aren't you grateful today? The greatest liberator, the one that truly sets people free is Jesus Christ. Don't you think we should give the Lord a shout of praise for that? He's a liberator, come on, he's the king of kings. Thank you, Lord. So today I, I've come to give you a message and, and maybe you've forgotten or maybe you need to be reminded that you are a free people. Every person in this building today, you are free. And if you've given your life to Christ, you are spiritually free. And the reason that you are spiritually free is because of what Jesus did for you. John 8, 36 tells us this, that if the Son sets you free, look what it says, you will be free indeed. Come on, let's read that together. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Anybody that's free indeed, somebody say amen, if you're free indeed. But as I was again to thinking about that this week, I recognize, and I think if we look around, even into our own lives, into our own families, in, in our own circ circumstances, what we'd realize is that there's so many people that are not living in the freedom that Jesus came to bring. So many people today aren't living truly free. They know that Jesus came to set them free, not living in the freedom. And so today what I wanna do is I wanna have a reminder conversation. This is gonna be a reminder conversation because some of these things we just forget. Some of the things we may have forgotten that we need to remember today, that we, we, have, we have liberators. As sons and daughters of God, we have been given given things to maintain and make sure that we remain free. And so today what I wanna to talk about is three great liberators. Because we know that Jesus set us free, but let me tell you something, just because you've been set free doesn't mean you just stay that way. Just because America is a free nation doesn't mean it will always be a free nation. Some things have to be fought for. And so God knows this, and so he's given us great liberators. He's put in our possession things that will keep us free. And that's what I wanna remind you of today because it's time for some of us to take some stuff back. Some things that the enemy has tried to steal, it's time for us to take some stuff back. Some of us have been living in a way that we're allowing ourselves to be oppressed. We're allowing ourselves to be stolen from or allowing ourselves to be victimized and that's not what God intends for us. He intends for us to be free indeed. And so today on Freedom Sunday, the 4th of July, I wanna talk about three great liberators that the Lord Jesus has given to us and the first one is this. The first great liberator that we all have is the Word of God. Turn to your neighbor and say the Word of God. The Word of God. I think sometimes we forget I think sometimes we forget or we neglect to use the powerful tool that God has given us in his word because his word changes us. It, it delivers us, it, it sets us free. The Bible says in James 1, in verse number 22, the Bible says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, do what it says. And so there's two parts to this, all right? It says, anyone who listens but doesn't do what it says. And so, so the word of God is a powerful tool, but there's two parts to it. The first half of it is, is we listen to what the word of God says. That's why we're here this morning. We're here to hear from the word of God, right? But then the second part of that is the activating factor. Is what, it's what makes it work. We listen and then we do what it says. It says. The Bible says anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently 
into the perfect law that gives freedom. What's the word of God do? It brings freedom, it's a liberator, and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. A great liberator that God has given us, right here we can see it, is the word of God. And the reason the Bible is a great liberator is because it reveals who we are. Come on, somebody, all the way in the back. It reveals who we really are. See, the problem today, the biggest problem we're facing, and it's the, it's the most talked about subject, is identity. How many recognize this? Like everywhere we turn, we're talking about identity, an identity crisis. And I think the problem is, is that people all over the world have not been truly enlightened to who they are. Because the word of God is the only source that can tell you who you really are. And James says, right here in our text, James says that the word of God is like a mirror. It's like a mirror, which means this. If the word of God is a mirror, then that means you are a reflection of it. That when you look into the word of God, what you see is yourself. You see the inheritance that God has given you. It's a picture. The word of God is a picture of who you really are. It's who God really intended for you to be. It's who, you, who he created. And so James is asking the question, and he's asking it to all of us this morning. He's saying, who looks in the mirror and then, and then turns, turns, turns away from it and does nothing about it? But that's exactly what's happened in our generation is so many people, so many, we have an entire generation who've never really seen a true reflection of who they are. They're trying so desperately to figure out why they were born, why they're placed here, what their purpose is, and, and, and as a result, they're making all sorts of choices, all kinds of decisions based upon a false image of who they think they are or who society's telling them are. They've never seen themselves in the word of God, and so they're living an identity that's truly a facade, a deception, it's not real. And that's why you hear people say all the time, well, I was just born this way. How many heard someone say that before? Well, it's just the way I was born. This was just the way I was raised. This is, this is just how I grew up. My, my dad was dysfunctional. My mom was dysfunctional. His dad was, my grandpa, they were dysfunctional. I guess I'll be dysfunctional too. But this is why Jesus went to Nicodemus and told Nicodemus this. He says, you must be born again. You must be, what was Jesus saying? Jesus is saying to, to Nicodemus, I'm gonna cut you away from your old family line. I'm gonna cut you away from your old way of life, from what you use, I'm, we're, we're severing that right here and right now, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna connect you to a new family line. I'm gonna give you a new history. I'm gonna remove your sins, I'm gonna remove your sickness, I'm gonna remove the dysfunction, that's not your inheritance, that's not who you are. The word of God, this word, living word of God, this is now your inheritance, it is who you are, and if you'll just apply it to your life, it'll change you. And so, so here's, here's James, and, and, and he, he's, 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 he's begin describing the word of God like a mirror. And I think, I think all of us, we could kind of, kind of understand this, but none of us would ever look at ourselves in the mirror and notice something wrong and do nothing about it. 
Like no one goes, to, you know, goes to a taqueria today. Some of you, no, we're gonna eat hamburgers and hot dogs today, but, but uh, maybe no one goes and has some chips and salsa and then looks in the mirror and notices they have some cilantro stuck in their teeth and then just leaves it there. Nobody does that. Is that true, right? When we look in the mirror, it's, it's, we don't just look at the cilantro and go, oh, I guess that's just the way it is and walk away. That's not what happens. Right? That's, you don't look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, that's just the way I am. That's, that's not how it works. You do something about it. Because you're looking at the reflection, you're like, wait a second, that's not who I am, and you do something about it. I remember not that long ago, uh, I got a call from, from, from Bryn. Bryn's calling me, I'm out of town at the time, and he's like, bro, you're not gonna believe what happened. I'm like, what, what happened? He's like, he's like, well, I, you know, I, I cooked up some lamb chops for Cindy and I, just gonna have a nice dinner at home, and I'm cooking up these lamb chops, they were delicious, and I'm like, ah, that sounds great. He's like, yeah, but I bit into the first lamb chop, and, and dude, all of a sudden, like, I, I, there was something hard in there, and, and I thought it was a bone or something, and I realized, dude, my, my tooth broke. And I'm like, which one? <laughs> He's like, my front tooth. My, I'm like, send me a picture. I gotta see this. He's like, no way, I'm not sending you a picture. I know what you'll do with it. He says, I, 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 can't, I can't lead worship like this. Like, like, like it's terrible, it's so bad. Like I'm, I'm looking at myself right now in the mirror. It's horrible, it's, 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 it's awful. And so, so here's the thing, Bryn didn't, he told me, he goes, I can't lead worship like that. Thank God COVID's here because I'll just wear a mask and worship because I can't let anybody see me like this. And you better believe the next week, he was at the dentist getting outfitted, all right, for, for, a, for a new tooth, all right, just because that wasn't him. Bryn didn't go in the mirror and after that broken tooth, kind of look at his teeth and go, well, I guess that's just the way it is, just the way I am. That's not what he did. He saw something was broken because the reflection was telling him something was broken and he said, that's not me, I'm gonna fix that. It's the same way with us, all right, every one of us. None of, none of you ladies look in the mirror after having an emotional conversation or watching an emotional movie. None of you look in the mirror looking like Alice Cooper with mascara running down your face and say, well, I guess that's just the way I am. What do you do? You get to work on that, right? You're reattaching those fake eyelashes. You're, 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 you're doing all of these things because, because the mirror, you're gonna fix the things that need to be fixed because, because what you're seeing, that's not who I am. So I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna, some of you guys, you're getting the nose hair trimmers out this morning, all right? Why? Because that's not who you are. I don't want that to be a reflection of who I am. So I'm gonna do the work necessary. Are you with me today? I'm gonna, whatever, I'm gonna moisturize. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on, I'm gonna do my hair because, because I'm, 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 that's not me. That's not the reflection of who I am. So I'm gonna do the work that's necessary, amen? God didn't create you to look like that. Come on. Some of you ladies, you looked up, you got, you got in the mirror this morning, you said, that's not God's creation. Let me work on that a little bit. That's not what God intended. Amen, that's, that's, that's what the word of God does. It shows you the areas that need a little work. Come on, last week, last week Carrie, she spoke. What a brilliant message last week Carrie spoke. So brilliant, amen. And she began to talk about the pressing. She shared about the pressing that, that, that Jesus endured. And, and, and she looked back at Isaiah that by his stripes, the stripes he bore on his back, we were healed. 
And because of what the word of God said, when Carrie was diagnosed with cancer, she could say, hey, because Jesus bore this cancer, it doesn't have to be on my body. And that's why we began to declare, I am healed in Jesus' name. This ends in healing, amen. How do we get changed? We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We don't transform ourselves by willpower. We don't transform ourselves by the modification of our behavior. No, our, our behavior changes as our mind changes and God's word says that we have the mind of Christ. Are you with me today? We don't have to think like that anymore because we now have the mind of Christ. The word of God tells us who we really are. Come on, before Peter, and we love Peter, and we celebrate Peter. We talk about Peter and all the great things Peter did, all right? But before we talk about the apostle Peter, the Bible hero Peter, the brave, bold, feisty, the, the guy that, before any of that, he was Simon. His name means, mean, means reed or wavering and blowing where the wind blows. And that, and that really described Simon. He just kind of, kind of just kind of went whatever was happening. And so if Jesus was, was, was popular, well then he's all for Jesus. But as soon as Jesus is being, is being, is, is being taken to, to, to be crucified, there he is denying Christ. That was his life, just kind of wherever, here, there, and everywhere. But what changed Christ? I mean, what changed Peter what changed Peter from being Simon the betrayer to Peter the martyr, the guy that said, I'm not willing to be crucified like Christ, hang me upside down. What, what, caused, what caused that massive change from betrayer, afraid of the opinions of others, afraid to be associated with Jesus, to Peter dying for his faith, unwilling to deny Christ to save his own life? What, what changed, how did that happen? It happened because of the word of God. Because Jesus looked at him and, and said to him, Simon, you are Peter. The word of God began to change and form who Peter was. And on this rock, Peter, I will build my church. It's amazing what God can do when the word of God gets inside of you. It's amazing. When you get, the, when you get God's word inside of you, you will become the person that you were always meant to be. Don't let the devil lie to you. Come on, somebody. Don't let the devil lie to you. The word of God is our mirror. It is who you are. Don't let Satan try to tell you you're this, you're that. That's not the truth. Don't let the devil tell you that you're weak because the Bible says, where I am weak, he is strong. Are you with me today? Don't let Satan say that you're poor because the Bible says, let the poor say, I am rich. Are you with me? The word of God is a liberator. Hello, somebody. The word of God on the 4th of July, you need to hear this. The word of the, the word of God is a liberator. It liberates us. You know why? Because it's a weapon. God's word is a weapon. The Bible describes the word as the sword of the spirit. There are some enemies that you can't talk, that you can't talk down. That you can't convert. There's some enemies that can't be reasoned with. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You can't handle things peacefully. Some things you have to fight for. And that's why God gave us a sword. We live in a free nation. America is a free nation. Just because America is free today doesn't mean it will always stay that way. Are you with me today? Just because America is free doesn't mean it will, it's gonna have to be fought for. That freedom has, has to be fought for. Somebody has to fight for freedom. 
Are you with me today? And so, and so God is telling us his word. He gives us his word and saying it's a sword of the spirit. Why is God handing you a sword? Because he's telling you you're going to have to fight to maintain the freedom, to keep your liberty. Ephesians 6 says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It's not the notepad of the spirit. It's not the little book you take your little notes on and highlight and all that stuff. It's super nice and great that you do that. But it's a sword. Our God is a second amendment believing God. He believes in arming his children so they can maintain their freedom. Are you with me today? Are you with, he, he's given you the sword, the word of God, so you don't have to bow to the oppression of the enemy. You don't have to allow the enemy to take away the freedom that belongs to you. Listen, I, God's saying to you, I want you to be a free people, so I'm gonna put a sword in your hand so that you can fight for it. Somebody say amen. There are gonna be times in your life where you're gonna to have to wield a sword. Sometimes you're gonna to have to pull that sword out. I remember when, the, when Carrie came down with the diagnosis. Listen, we had no choice other than to pull out the sword of the Spirit and declare that by his stripes we were healed. The Bible doesn't say you might be, you may be, you could be. It says you were healed. It was already done. And so we stood on the promise of God. We stood on his word. We, we held up the sword of the Spirit and we said this ends in healing. And today we're, Carrie is totally free, totally healed free from cancer because we stood on the word of God it's our sword come on I remember when our kids were going to school and they're facing all the different things going on and let me tell you something it's far worse today than it was when my kids were in school but we were we were nervous that they would fall victim to to the different temptations that they'd be, that'd be forced to to hear and be associated with and so we declared Isaiah 54 over our children that all your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace we declared that over each and every one of our children and today they're standing firm living for God listen what's sword do you need to pull out to maintain your freedom come on what weapon is it going to take for you to take down the oppressor because all of us have them come on all of us have them this oppressive spirit I mean, it's trying to get you in bondage again maybe it's your health let me tell you something you say by his stripes i was healed maybe your thoughts they try to you try to fall, fall victim satan tries to oppress you with your thought life listen you have been given the mind of christ come on pull out the word of god you're not a passive christian we're not just going to let the devil take us back into bondage we're going to wield our sword it's a great liberator it will win battles for us come on wield the sword maybe you say you know i don't feel i feel weak well thank god when you are weak he is strong you say well I feel poor get a hold of the Word of God let it lodge inside of your spirit and you'll begin to understand that you can live in the fruit of the confession that, that is found in the Word of God amen <sighs> praise the Lord that's the first one here's the second one the second great liberator each and every one of us have is praise it's praise somebody say praise praise the praise to God opens prison doors every time I think of the story of Paul and Silas it always brings me back to a song that I listened to it was my favorite song when I was like like I, when I was like a teenager or early teenager and it was it was by a band called Petra and and and, and I was I was gonna I was I was typing this message and instead of like writing notes about the story I just began to type the song Paul and Silas were thrown in jail for preaching the gospel of Christ. Though in chains, they praised his name, singing songs in the night. Just then an earthquake shook the place, and the chains and the doors were loosened, and the jailer ran in scared to death. In that day, they found salvation. I typed it right in there. 
That's the power of praise. How many know praise opens prison doors? Paul and Silas, they were thrown in jail. They were, all they were doing was preaching the gospel of Christ. And it would have been easy for them to complain, to be upset and say, oh man, can you believe? How could God allow this to happen to us? You know, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be his disciples and here we are, we're in the center of this prison. We're, we're racked with chains, surrounded by prisoners. But instead of complaining, they began to lift up a shout of praise. Are you with me today? They began, in the midnight hour, they began to sing praise to God, and all of a sudden, the prison doors, the earthquake hit, prison doors opened, their chains fell off. Listen, they led all of the prisons, prisoners to Christ, and then they led the jailer to Christ. The, let me tell you what, what, that, what happened. The praise of God is a liberator. It's a liberator, amen. I love praise, and I love worship too. I love worship. I love the song Oceans. How many love the song Oceans? Spirit lead me. <laughs> it's a great song, all right? Come on, how many of you just sing a Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders? I mean, it's awesome. I mean, we have these desperate times, you know, where we're worshiping the Lord and, and, but listen, if you sing Oceans long enough, you're just gonna be sad. I'm serious, because what happens when I'm singing oceans, this is what I'm picturing. I'm picturing myself out in the middle of the ocean all by myself, flailing around, and the only one that can rescue me is God, right? And so I'm in this desperate, desperate times. Listen, there's, there's a time for that, and it's totally true. Like, we need Christ, and we need, we're desperate without him. There, there's no doubt about it. So, 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 so I mean, I, I understand there's times that we do that here all the time, but here's, here's the thing. There's heavy moments where we're desperate for God, but that's not all there is. That's not all there is. And that's why when you walk into this house, we're gonna lift up a shout of praise. Because the Bible says to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The Bible says lift up your voice to God. It says praise him with the harp and play, praise him with the clanging of cymbals. And it says clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And so when we come into this house, we elevate the praise of our God. We lift it up high and we, we praise him. We're not trying to downplay worship. There's gonna be times where the atmosphere is gonna shift and we're gonna bring the lights down and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, but, but we're never gonna neglect lifting a shout of praise because praise has the ability to turn that mountain that you're facing into a molehill. It has, it has the ability to, 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 to do that. It has the ability to change your circumstance. Now, I don't wanna underestimate I don't want to under, ever underestimate what God can do when we praise him. You think about the children of Israel, what a great example. The children of Israel are in bondage for 400 years. And, and as a result of their bondage, they're complaining. There's Pharaoh, you know, he's, he's making them make all these things and taking away their straw and they're making bricks and building. I mean, these guys are, are not getting paid, they're total slaves for 400 years and they begin to complain to God. And, and God heard their complaint and sent them a deliverer. And so complaining can get you out of certain things. All right, now you gotta be careful who you're complaining to. You're not supposed to complain to your girlfriend. All right, you can complain to God. Sometimes we can complain, God, this isn't right. This isn't great. This is not what you said. All right, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But what's gonna get you into the promise is not a complaint. 
Matter of fact, God had to kind of take away a whole generation because that's all they knew how to do. They, all they knew how to do was complain. And so they wandered around the desert, unable to get into the promised land. Why? Because they just were used to complaining all the time. And so God had to wipe out an entire generation of complainers, raise up another generation like Joshua who said, we can take the land. It was a confession of praise out of their mouth that we can do it, all things are possible, God can do it for us. And so let me ask you a question, what's gonna bring the walls around you down? Because what, 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 what God used to take down the walls of Jericho wasn't a complaint. It was the people lifting up a shout of praise to the Lord. And when they shouted to God, the walls came crashing down. Are you hearing me today? A complaint will get you out of Egypt, but it'll never get you into the promise. And I wanna tell you something, God wants you to get to the promised land. He's got more for your life, and it's never gonna happen by you complaining. Well, Bryn's here this morning. What's gonna take the walls down around you today? It's not gonna be a complaint, it's gonna be a shout of praise. And I want you to make no mistake about it. The enemy has declared war on praise. I don't know if you remember here in California when our wonderful governor um, said that we could no longer sing in church. Do you guys remember that? Oh my gosh, I, I, don't, I don't know if anything riled me up more than that. Like all of us, I'm, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You, you think you can silence the praise of God's people? And so you know what we did? We said, you know what? We're gonna organize a prayer night, a praise night. And, and over there in the vault, we had the single largest event we've ever had in the history of this campus when 1,200 people showed up to lift up praise to God in the middle of an edict saying to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> praise is a weapon, it's a liberator. And that's why Satan is trying desperately to shut down the praise that, 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 uh, of God, all right, amen? This week, the, the, the government in Australia did a very similar thing, but it actually was a little bit worse. The, the government in Australia put out an edict that there will be no singing of any kind in churches. Now, what you need to understand is they still don't, aren't legally allowed to gather in Australia. They're not legally allowed to gather in churches, all right? already and now the the government says now i know you can't gather but now you can't even sing and then said even if it's just into a camera for live stream purposes are you hearing this are you, are you understanding this this is a this is a nation that hasn't even had one covid death this year and they're still trying to shut down listen that's a blatant assault on the praise of god let me tell you something, we need to see it for what it is. The enemy of our lives is trying to shut down the praise of God's people because he knows how powerful a weapon that it is. It is a great liberator. Matter of fact, the, the Bible says that when the children of Israel, when they would go into battle, they would go before the Lord and they would say, God, who should lead us into battle? And God said, Judah will lead you into battle. Judah means praise. And so what God was saying is, if you wanna have the victory, if you wanna overcome the enemy, you're gonna to have to put praise at the front and praise will lead you to victory. Satan knows that praise is a great liberator. 
Satan doesn't want you to experience deliverance. He doesn't want you to overcome the enemy. But I want to tell you today that praise, when you praise God, the Bible says in Psalm 22 that God inhabits the praises of his people, that he would set ambushes against the enemy when the people of God would begin to lift up their shout of praise. The walls of Jericho came crumbling down with a shout of praise. God deserved to be praised 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Hear me. God deserves to be praised 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, I can't do that. I have to sleep part of the time. Well, that's good because the, the earth is in a rotation. So while you're sleeping, Australia's getting up. And so, yes, we're here praising the Lord today, all right? Listen, we're praising the Lord. We're giving a shout of praise. But let me tell you something. Satan said, I can't win in California. Let me go to Australia and try and do it. He's trying to take away the praise that God deserves. I refuse to let him do it. We will lift up a shout of praise. Come on, somebody. We're going to lift up a shout of praise. He deserves to be praised. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say it. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we have three great liberators, amen. We have the liberators. The first one is the word of God. The second one is praise. The third great liberator is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter three, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Come on, look at it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the presence of God is a liberator. When you're in the presence of God, the the devil has to flee. I said, when we're in the presence of the Lord, the devil has to flee. That's why the Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. That's why we gather. We believe in gathering because we believe in being in the presence of God because we're in the presence of God, Satan has to leave. It's a liberator. It's a liberator, the presence of God. I was thinking this week about the creation story. And in the Bible, Genesis chapter one, actually I've been thinking about this, this portion of scripture and the creation, I've been thinking about it this year. It's just been kind of, it's been in my thought life and I've preached about it several times in different ways. But I was thinking about the creation story and in Genesis one, God said, let earth bring grass and herbs and trees and fruit and flowers. And God said it and it was so. And then God said, let's, let's divide the night from the day. And he put a sun and a moon and stars and it was so. God said, let, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And it was so, I mean, literally everything God created, all the wonderful, wonderful creation that we see around us every day, God just spoke it and it happened. That's how God created it. But then in Genesis chapter two, you just simply flip the page. You turn the page and all of a sudden, God gets into the creation of man. All of a sudden we begin to read about ourselves. We're not reading about what we see and what we experience, we're reading about us. Because when God formed Adam, he was forming us. He was, he was painting a picture of what, what our relationship would be to God. Because when it came to creating man, all of a sudden it went from God said it and it was so, all of a sudden the rhythm begins to change. 
No longer does it say, and God said. What we read is, then God formed a man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. And I was thinking about that this week and I began to realize that the reason I feel so complete and the reason I feel so alive when I'm in his presence is because that's how I was created. You see, God didn't create me from a far distance. You know, kind of you know, let this guy come. That's not how God did it. The Bible says that God got his hands dirty and from the dust of the ground, he began to form me. He began to create me and, and then he got down, he breathed the breath of life into me. You see, when it came to creating man, God got up close and personal. He didn't just say it. He, 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 he did it. He got, he got involved with your life, with who you are and how you were wired. God got involved. He came in and he formed you. He created you to think like you do. He created you to, to have the talents and the giftings. All he, he formed you that way. And that's why we come alive. And that's why our giftings come alive. That's why all of a sudden we feel complete when we're in his presence. You and I, each and every one of us were covered with the fingerprints of God. When you're looking at your neighbor and you're looking at the person sitting next to you, what you're seeing is the fingerprints of God who went out of his way, not just to speak it into existence, but he got down close, he got personal, he formed you, breathed life into you. And the only way you experience true freedom, true fulfillment is in a life that's in a personal relationship with God. See, the gospel message is a personal one. John chapter 10 says that the good shepherd, look what it says, the good shepherd of the Lord knows his sheep by name. Every single person in this room, God knows you. He knows the amount. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything that you've ever been through. He knows your name. If you just stop to think about the craziness of that, that every person that's ever lived, every person that ever will live, God knows them personally. He, he knows them, he knows every detail about their life. And what that means for us is that we, ne we can't come alive outside of his presence. We'll never be able to experience the life that God has for us outside of his presence because in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is completeness. It's a liberator. You, know, you think about Jesus' life. You know, Jesus only had a short time to complete the assignment that God gave him. He didn't even start his ministry until he was 30 years old. We know that he was crucified when he was 33. So in a relatively short period of time, three years is all Jesus had. So you can imagine he was a busy guy. The Bible says that he, so many things that Jesus did, you couldn't, you couldn't write it all down in all the libraries in the world. You'd never be able to read about all of the things Jesus did in three years. And so you can just imagine in order for that to happen, to accomplish in just three years, I mean, he had to be constantly on the move. But when you examine his life, the Bible says that he would often withdraw. The Bible says he would often withdraw to be in the presence of his father. I think Jesus understood that I can't exist. I, 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 can't, I can't complete what God has for me to do. I can't be effective outside of his presence. 
And He was modeling that for you and I, that in order for you, in order for your life to be fulfilled, it's not gonna happen in all of the things that the world says is gonna make it happen. It's not gonna happen by you living in a certain place or living a certain way or driving a certain car or accomplishing a specific goal or marrying this person or doing this or doing that. Let me tell you something, those things are fine and those things are great, but that's not gonna ever truly satisfy you because inside of you, you were created by a personal God. You were created for a personal relationship with an almighty God and outside of his presence, you'll never experience true life. It won't happen. The true liberator is not just knowing about God, it's knowing God. And we have a God, this is the crazy thing, we have a God that says, you can know me. You can know me. You can know me. The presence of God is the greatest liberator. It's the greatest liberator all over this room. I wanna tell you something, God gave you three things to keep you free. He gave you the word of God. He gave you the praise of God. And he's given you his presence. You and I, we can walk in the presence of God. We can be known by God and we can know God. What, a, what, a, what, an, what an amazing, amazing thing. I don't know if you could just, maybe right now, just I want you just to focus on that. I just want you to think about that. We're gonna worship the Lord together. Amen.